episode of the Drinks with Ginger podcast, I have entertainment lawyer Debbie Eagle joining me tonight. Excited about this in here. Debbie's probably somewhere on the beach because she's in Florida right now. Hi, Jay. How are you? I'm waiting for Debbie to come in. Debbie just added you. There you go. Hey, hey, Debbie, how are you? Good, I'm good. Okay. In the picture and make it all work. Good, 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 good. Okay. So, guys, for everyone that's tuning in, Debbie is an entertainment lawyer. So, Debbie, tell us a little bit about what you do. What does an entertainment lawyer do? A little bit of everything. <laughs> I have I have distribution, I have an online course, I teach copyright law at Drexel University, I have an, uh, a book, two books that I wrote about the music business, I have a couple of artists I represent, and then I review and write contracts for independent artists and labels, I've done a few major deals for clients of mine, and uh, definitely stay busy. Oh, you're always busy. Oh, you're always busy. And of course, and of course, and of course, you also have your club that you have on Clubhouse that you run. That too. Record. And you guys, if you're an indie artist, you should definitely tune in every Friday because Debbie answers some of the hardest questions that you probably want answered. And that's kind of like getting a little free legal advice, guys. So you better jump on there on Friday at 12 o'clock. Debbie, what is the difference? Friday, because I'll be on a plane to Dion. So not this awesome. I'm fun. I'm jealous. <laughs> you're making moves. First of all, you're in Florida already with the nice warm sun, and now you're going to DR. Can you pack me in your suitcase, please? Actually, right now, I'm in Jersey in my girlfriend's mansion who owns a record label, Casey's Piano. Like, I'm definitely living large. No, you're definitely living large. <laughs> and you deserve it because you work extremely hard. So, like, entertainment lawyer what is the difference between that because you also manage artists right what is the difference between the entertainment lawyer and a manager okay so let me just first shout out savvy peter monk delmar james humphrey bogart and rayshawn all the people that i'm working with currently and jadea Bivens and her manager michelle she's young she's fire everybody's got a special unique talent that i'm working with and maybe some of them have awesome personalities which has pulled me in but definitely they will bring something special to the table so i want to shout them out so i would say that i work with them because i have a record label and i wanted to help independent artists because there's some people out there with talent but again talent is not the answer to everything you have to have more than talent you have to have certain key features you got to be able to perform you got to be humble you got to have a good personality right no resting bitch face right <laughs> you gotta you gotta stay humble you gotta learn you gotta grow so i kind of try to work with people who have what i deem to be those qualities so that i can help them to make it because talent is only one part of the equation now, as an entertainment attorney, I'm really looking at the legal perspective, whether or not you should sign a deal, what you should be negotiating into your deal. I'm writing contracts for producers, record labels, 
independent artists, different things. Obviously, some people know I've actually done one or two NFT contracts, which was very interesting. So, you know, and now we're going to jump into the metaverse, which is a whole other thing, which I'm fascinated with. And by the way, I want to shout out Leo and Melinda Santiago. Um, I'm actually having a conversation with them about doing a publishing deal for my book. So I want to give them a big shout out. And if we move forward and everything is good, then I'm going to write a whole other chapter in my book about the metaverse, more than likely. Ooh, congrats on that. Um, I'm looking forward for that as well. Like you're tapping into so many different markets with the NFTs and the metaverse. I'm just starting to learn a little bit about the NFTs and I have a really good one to put out there once I know what I'm doing. The world is going to be shocked because I have a photo of a major, major artist that is super exclusive. So once I get it all together, it's going to be like pretty, pretty cool. Um, Back to with your entertainment law. What is the most difficult problem you've had to solve in entertainment law? I think the hardest thing that I've encountered, not for me personally, but for the artists, is people who sign contracts without a lawyer, then they become disenchanted or disenfranchised with the label, and then they bring the contract to me, and they ask me how do they get out of it. And if the contract was written by a lawyer, which if the label is worth any of its meat and potatoes, it is written by a lawyer. It's almost virtually impossible for the artist to get out. And it's a shame because they're penny wise and pound foolish. Like maybe they don't want to spend the money, but they're assigning their life, their artistry, their copyrights over to someone. And let me just back up to say this, in case you're not clear, copyrights is what gets you paid your money, right? So everything starts and ends with copyrights because that's where the royalties fall from. And there's plenty of different copyrights. And in order to get a deal, you're going to have to give some piece of that away. But if you don't understand what you're giving away, then things don't work out. Then maybe you're stuck for three, four, five more years, which is problematic. And some of the contracts are rolling contracts. So if you don't produce, the contract stays in effect. Okay, you may go out and do something on your own because you're like, screw these people. But guess what? If you make the money, they can come get it. So it's problematic. If I would say the best piece of advice I can give anybody is before you sign a contract, whether you're doing a publishing deal, um, a recording deal, a production deal, you should take that contract to an attorney. And there's people out there that are not super expensive I try to work with people in their budgets. I really do, because I like helping the underdog. You could also go to the Volunteer Lawyers Association, and sometimes they take it pro bono. Maybe they charge you a nominal fee. There's different ways you could do it. You can get an attorney who actually likes your music and say, hey, I'll cut you in for X percentage. You know, that's a little dangerous because they might be more inclined to do the deal. But there's different ways you can manage it. You just need to know that you need to do it. Oh, great. I think I'm glad you said that because I had an artist reach out to me the other day and they were looking for management and they just sounded like a lot of problems were going on with their career. And I, I told her that was my first advice. I said, you know, I think you need to talk to an entertainment attorney because you signed a contract with someone, you know, something things are not going 
based on the contract that you signed with them. And I don't want to be involved or have my company be involved with you until you're out of that contract. Because now when I become your manager, it now becomes my problem. And I don't want to take on a problem that I didn't lead with to begin with. So I, 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 I gave her her the advice. I said, you know, I know a really great attorney. She's the best in the, the industry. I think you need to talk to her before you even think about even being a part of my team. I think it's it's super, super important. And I think a lot of times the independent artists, that's why they get into so many problems because they just get aside. You know, you see a contract, you're like, okay, it sounds good, but how about actually having a professional look over it? Well, I think it's because of a couple of different things, right? This is the independent movement, right? A lot of indies, you know, labels and artists can push their music, but I will tell you unequivocally, undoubtedly, 100%, 110%, rest assured, you can't do this alone. There's too many moving parts. So if you're out here and you're trying and you're struggling and somebody comes along and they sound like they're interested in you, and they put some paperwork in front of you and they say they're going to help you and we are able to do a b c and d of course you want to sign it because you need the help that's a fact so it's clear to me why people jump into these arrangements but what they don't understand is the technicalities and i'm going to say this i used this example before but i'll say it again like if i was going to open up a dicks or a sports authority or a models or a sporting store right I got to find the building, find out how much the rent is, figure out how many employees I need. I got to figure out what the demographic is, what merchandise is selling. How am I going to get the merchandise? What's the profit margin? How am I going to keep the lights on? How am I going to get the people in the building? How am I going to get them to return? What does that all sound like? It sounds like a business. Well, if you're making music and you want to make money, guess what? It's a business. If you want to make music, just because you like music, then it's a hobby. But then don't say you're in the music business. Say, hey, I have an expensive hobby. If you want this to be a business, you gotta treat it like a business, right? So you're not gonna open up a corporation or maybe become a partnership with somebody and put money up to open a business without understanding what you're doing. This is the same thing that's occurring in the music business, but people just kind of show up in the studio, they vibe, they sign off on paperwork because they need help, but they don't treat it like a business. And that's where they get hurt. Like you can't make money if you don't understand the business. So if you don't, if you don't understand the business, if you don't understand the business, if you don't understand the business. So if you don't understand what your rights are, if you don't understand what's fair, because it's not fair for you to keep everything and contribute nothing. And I'm sorry, I'm going to say something very controversial. And it's my belief. I don't care who agrees with it because it's how I see the world, right? If you can't put up any money for your music, then you're probably in the wrong business because then you're not in a business, right? Like you have to be willing to invest in yourself before somebody comes along and is willing to invest in you. If you think somebody owes you all this, this is a one in maybe a thousand business, maybe one in 10,000 people make it. So when people are working for you, putting in their time, their energy, their resources, their education, and you don't act like you respect that because you're pulling your own weight, whatever that means, mm -hmm. not in this business. And you certainly don't belong with me, Debbie Eagle, because I will cut you loose like as quick. Like, you know, um, the roadrunner, how it used to kick up the dust? Yeah, <laughs> that would be me. 
I'm running away as fast as I can go, right? Because I can spend my money and sit in this beautiful house with this grand piano. I can sit on the beach. I can go to DR. Why am I spending money on you if you're not willing to work? If you're not showing up, if you're not pulling your weight, it's ridiculous. So if you want a career, treat it like a business. Agree, Deb. I definitely, you know, these the last two years, you know, I've been in contact with you and just listening to you and learning from you. And I'm doing the Debbie Eagle way. Like I'm literally like the road running out. I'm running away from certain clients. I'm just like, you want me to put my money in you, and you're not even doing half the things that I asked you to do. You know, just like the simple things they they complain about doing Instagram reels and and all these little things that are necessary now to flourish your career because this is what what's happening this is the world that we're living in you have to be in the same times no one says you have to sit and do this every single day you pick a day and you content create and you plan and you strategize they have issues with that and once i start hearing problems problems and not solutions i'm like Pew! i'm not to do it the reality is this you have to have a personality to be in this business you have to be personal people have to like you people have to want to move the dial for you and part of that is besides being personable is building a fan base if you are not willing to get on and build a fan base if you are not personable cool let me know now so i can hit the road because i don't need to waste my time right so I just want to do a quick shout out. I am going next week to Jacksonville to do a showcase for one of my clients. And I'm on the panel with I am rise. You can follow him on Instagram also. And it's for Frank Corleone. Now this guy, he's got the biggest, biggest personality. Like I just saw him doing something on Instagram and I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe you are my friend. Never mind my client because he's just got this super big engaging personality like you meet him and you're like oh i need to know this guy because he's so fun he's so exciting he's outlandish but in a positive way and this is kind of what you need because if you don't know how to pull people to you keep people there keep the, guess what this is the entertainment business you actually have to be entertaining okay is not enough sorry hate to burst any bubbles out here it's not enough it takes more than that to actually really make it agreed agreed i love how you said that talent is just not enough anymore you definitely have to have a lot of personality you know i i manage and i'm also a stylist but i'm also a media personality and i also have to create as well so the things that i tell the client is basically the same thing I'm doing. And obviously it, it, it worked for me because I'm getting the jobs because of those things. So it's not like I'm telling them something that I'm not actually doing myself. So it's like, I don't want to fight with you because I'm telling you from my experience and from other people that have made it in the industry. Talking about that, you know, going back to now with the difficult clients, how do you handle those difficult clients? Is there a time that you had to figure something out with a difficult client? Well, I think it depends. If it's a, an artist that I'm working with, I basically, I know some of my artists are listening, so I know that they could actually put something in the chat box, which I can't watch because I'm talking, but they'll totally say it's true like if you're going to get involved with me if you're going to get involved with my producer peter monk please follow him he's great 
then I tell you right up front, look, I got a red flag system. I've developed this over years being in the industry. It's what I follow. If you do something that I'm not talking about something minor, you didn't call me. I'm talking about something that really grates on my last nerve. I'm going to tell you, you're red flagged. I'm going to have a conversation with you about what that means to me. And I'm going to explain that you can tell me your side of the story. I'm going to tell you mine. But if this kind of behavior happens again, I'm going to set you free because this isn't working for me and I don't have no time to waste. So that's what I do when they're my client. I have let people go. If you lie to me, straight out, flat out lie to me, I am so happy to let you go and live your best life. And when I let them go, I'm not even mad. I'm like, thank you, Lord Jesus, for showing me. If you're coming into my business world as somebody who's interested in working with me in business, I learned this over 10 years in the school of hard knocks. If you lie to me, I used to confront you. Mm -hmm. If you lie to me, I just lay in wait and watch. Because once you lie to me again, I just say goodbye. I don't even confront you because what I found is when I used to confront people, they go further underground. They come up with more stories about why I'm interpreting it wrong. No, I'm smart. I'm not interpreting it wrong. And you know what? At this point, I don't really need to know. What I need is good people around me. And I don't want to bad, bring bad people into my circle so that other people that are good in my circle can be impacted by it. So if I've also learned this. If you're in survival mode, you're going to lie. And if I was in survival mode, maybe I would lie too. I don't know. I haven't been in that position in my life because I've worked really hard all my life. And I've lived a comfortable life. So I lived a comfortable life because I worked two and three jobs at a time. Not because I came from a family with money. That's not my story, right? So... But I can still say maybe some people are disadvantaged. They don't have money. Maybe they're in survival. Maybe they got two kids they need to feed. If I had two kids to feed and I was on the street, I'd probably be willing to do things that I'm not willing to do now, right? I get it. But I don't want to be around you because I understand that today. I thought before, if I help you, you'll change. No, I don't believe that anymore. That thing. The other thing that I've learned is that if you're a liar, who you attract to you is other liars. And I don't want those people around me, right? Because people who are show-offs and BSing attract other people who are show-offs and BSing. But they're not doing the hard work. I sat in my house. I wrote two books. I wrote the book three times. When Leon called me, he called me. I wasn't out looking for it because I'm doing the hard work. I'm not looking for the fame. I'm doing what I'm passionate about. I'm walking hard. I'm not out there showboating. So to me, still hard work takes the day. It beats everything else, right? The race don't go to the swiftest. It goes to the one with the most perseverance. Peter, that's a shout out to you because you've got as much perseverance as me. And I'm sure of that. So I think that's like really one way of dealing with those people. If you're my client, and you've retained me as an attorney and you've paid me and you are, I don't know how else to say it, an asshole. <laughs> I what you retain me to do, but then I will not work with you again. I just will not do it. I'll be like, I think 
you should find another attorney. I'm too busy right now. I can't do this for you. And they'll be like, well, I'll go someplace else. And I'll be like, okay, cool. Because I'm not even arguing with you. I'm not even going to tell you why I feel the way I feel. Like I've worked for clients that I've killed myself for who then either didn't want to pay me, wanted to chew me down, then maybe gave me some little token money, which I accepted because I already did the work. And then they want me to change it five more times. Talk about it. No, I, I listen, my time is worth money. Guess what? If you wrote a song and Taylor Swift stole it, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to be infringed on your intellectual property and you want to get paid. Guess what? I went to law school. I killed myself. This is my intellectual property. You don't get it for free unless I'm willing to give it to you for free, which I do. Yeah. Gen for Gen people about. But if you try to take advantage of me, we can't, we can't roll together. We just can't. It's not worth it. I'd rather sit on the beach than spend my time working for people who don't appreciate it. I agree. I just ran into a problem with a client, Deb, and it was crazy because they, they ret retained my, my team and they paid half of the money, right? We, we, we let you do that and then found all the excuses in the world to not pay the rest of the retainer fee. And instead of me and my team going back and forth with the client, we just decided that we're just going to let you go. It's okay. It's okay. We don't want to have an issue. We don't want to drain our energy anymore. And we no longer want to use our resources for you because obviously you don't respect what we're doing. So why should we continue with your stories of why you're not paying? Yeah. I really, I would rather hear the truth from somebody and try to work with them around whatever their issues are than to hear the nonsense. It's just a waste of my time. And, you know, I'm just not down for it anymore. Not at this point anyway. Yeah, no, you're, you're too major. Like you're a major deal. <laughs> I like myself but thank you for sharing no, that oh you are i love it like when i first like when like when i first like when i first heard like when i first heard your voice on, on clubhouse and you just with the you gotta have the fire in the belly that's what i keep in my mind every single day when i'm podcasting when i'm styling i'm like you gotta have that fire in your belly because then if you don't what are you doing it for what are you doing this for? It's really not about the fame. And then it's also me trying to pay, pay it forward again, teaching someone else. So for someone that is new in, in the business, right, and want to do entertainment law, what advice would you give to that person? To be in entertainment law? Yes. Well, besides going to law school? Yeah, yeah besides that. like, but Maybe. Because why, why did you choose? that side of being a lawyer entertainment i think it's interesting right because you know i had a whole career before i became an attorney i was a nurse wow and when i said i was going to go to law school people were like oh you're going to change you're going to be bougie and i'm like yeah i don't think so i don't think i'm capable right <laughs> um and i actually call myself the streets entertainment lawyer because that's where i that's where i came from that's where I resonate. That's what I want to do. I like helping the underdog. I don't like working in corporate America. I don't like bougie. That's just not who I am. Um, I think that you should work for an attorney because you've got to figure out. Like, I'm not the typical 
white shoe law firm attorney. I have a record label. I work with producers. I teach. So I'm very diversified because I don't want to sit in an office and read contracts all day because I love the music business. I love the business, not just the law. The law facilitates the business, but I love the business. I love music. I love dancing. I'm still out there in the clubs dancing. I'm still in the streets and I'm like, you know, I'm not 20, but I kind of sort of look 20. No, not really, but <laughs> look good. <laughs> but, you know, I think you should find an attorney and intern with them because law school is brutal. Mm -hmm. It's expensive and you don't want to invest in it and then not do it. But this is the one thing I will say about law school. This is a shout out to law school, no matter where you are. Law school doesn't teach you the law. Law school teaches you how to think. And it makes you see the world in a whole different way. So if that's something that's appealing to you, then you can use that skill set and do anything with it. Because there's a lot of lawyers who don't practice law, but they went to law school. Now they run businesses. They do other things. Clyde Davis is a lawyer. Wow, see, you just you just taught me something that I didn't even know. So there's people who are lawyers that are doing different things because it teaches you a skill set that is like really, how can I explain it? It teaches you to look at the mountain, see the trees, see the lion, and also see the ant at the same time. Mm. Like when you argue a case, you're, you know, you're a lawyer now, you're going to argue a case, you have a law. Now you have to apply the facts, which is different in everybody's life in their case, the evidence, which maybe you have or don't have, maybe you have it and you can get it in, but, or maybe you can't get it in. And then you have to also think about the rules and procedures of the case. So when you are sitting in front of a hearing officer, a judge, a jury, you're arguing on three levels simultaneously, simultaneously. And it's a skill set that you, it's, they teach your brain how to work that way. Like, I can't explain it. We would sit in a big classroom, right? Like in crim law, like first semester, the professor would be up there. They would give you each class, you'd get like a hundred pages to read. So you'd read those hundred pages, they're cases, they're using language you don't even understand, they're boring, they're very long, and you read it because you have to read it because when you show up in class, there's a hundred people in class, and the professor looks down at the roster and calls any name he wants, Debbie Eagle, what did that case, what did that case mean? And you answer, you have no clue really what you're talking about, and then they call on the next person and say, was she right? And then that person is forced to give an answer. Then they go to the next person and say, which one of them had the better argument and why? So they're not teaching you. They're teaching you how to think and analyze. Mm. And the first semester, I'm like, what notes do I take? I don't know who I should listen to. The teacher is saying anything. Like, where, like, can I memorize this and take a test? No, it doesn't work that way. It teaches your brain how to think. It's really... The first year in law school is brutal because that's not the way they teach education in this school system. You memorize, you learn, you spew it back. Nope, that's not what law school is about at all. 
So the skill set is amazing. And it's like, I could be in a room with five people. They say something and I see an answer none of them see. But when I had another guy who was, you know, his name is Rob. He actually works for the president now. But he was, you know, my mentor. He wasn't in education law, but I mean, in entertainment law, but he was always the most brilliant person in the room. I was always blown away. Everybody would be saying something. He would say something so different and he'd be like, oh my God, he's so right. But that was law school training. And that's kind of, I can see the lion, I can see the forest, but I can also see the ant. Wow. So I think it's a really hard thing to, to wrap your brain around it. Law school is very, very hard. And then you got to pass the bar exam. Mm-hmm. So I, before anybody would jump off that cliff, they should go sit with an attorney in turn, talk to them to see if it's a true desire because it's hard, it's expensive, it's grueling. And if you do all that and you're not happy, then you just waste the time. And you know what? Life is not a dress rehearsal, man. Yeah. So and get we can't get time back. Right. Thank you so much, Debbie, for giving me your time. Um safe travels. <laughs> yeah. Got some sand. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch up when you were in New York, but the next time. Yeah, I know. Like, everything went so fast. But once I get back and when you get back, just let me know when you get back in town. And then we just have to, we definitely have to sit down and have some coffee and a drink. A coffee and a cocktail. (laughs) But you guys, make sure you follow Debbie Eagle. Get her book. You need it. Trust me. Oh, two ends. Follow me, right? You can follow me on my Instagram. Also, my website's emusicentertainment.net. If you have any interest in the book, it's only $19.99. Once we go through the publishing,